Good morning. Thank you so much for being with us today. We welcome you. We welcome our people who are watching on, on live on Facebook. Thank you for being with us as well. And we hope you enjoy our service. We pray you enjoyed the worship and enjoy the word today. We are so glad that you are all here. We're going to wrap up Philippians chapter 4 today. To be honest with you, Philippians chapter 4 requires its own month. There's just so much there. It's like the Apostle Paul is just at the end of this letter, this epistle. He pours everything he's got left to say in it, and it's, it's an amazing, amazing chapter, and uh, I'm excited that we're going to talk about it today. You can watch on the screens. You can watch, uh, if you have your phones, your Bibles, follow along with me, because we're going to go several verses through this passage of Scripture, and just excited. It's nice to have the Karsten family with us, minus Karen, but it's nice to have you guys here. It's nice to see you. And uh, Paul's got a lot to say. I mean, he is in full spiritual father mode. He just wants to make sure that these people at Philippi have all that they need to be successful in their Christian journey, to know what it means to love and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to make sure they have every single thing. So let's jump in today. We're going to begin with verse 1. You ready? Come on. If you preach with me, we'll get done sooner and get out in the sunshine. I'll talk fast. You listen fast. We'll get done at the same time. Here we go. Therefore... My brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I love this right from the get-go. I love chapter four. You'll notice the first word. It says, therefore. When you ever see that word, you've got to know that it means. It means consequently. It means because of. It means what came before it. So what you have to do with that is you have to go up to chapter three. Now, back when Paul wrote the letter, there wasn't chapter one, two, three, and four. It was a, it was a letter. It was an epistle to the church at Philippi. So we put these in later. So this is actually connected right to, uh, uh, it's connected to Ephesians, to Philippians. And what did Paul say that caused the therefore? I'm glad you asked. It's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. Deep breath. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Wow. He says three things. He says, here's why you need to stand firm in the Lord. Here's the why. Number one, you're citizens of heaven. Number two, you have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who one day is literally returning. He's going to make all things new and all things right. And on top of all that, you get a new body. I, I for one, am hoping for six foot three. But I'm just telling you, there's this new and glorious body. He said it will be like his. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm just believing God's going to be God and going to do some phenomenal things. Because of all those things, we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love for, Paul's got a love affair going on with this group of people, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm. Don't give up, don't back up, don't give in, don't give up. Stay firm in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't quit, stay firm in the Lord because Jesus is coming back. Look at verse two with me. I plead with Theodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Right in the middle of this amazing chapter, he's got to remind the church people to get along. I mean, let's just be honest about it. That's what he's doing. He's saying, listen, now this could have easily been two men. This happens to be two women, but let's be honest. Us guys are just, we're just the same. 
And he says to these two, he says, listen, he tells his friend, listen, make sure they get along. Make sure they walk in unity. Make sure they walk in gentleness. Make sure they, they get along. You know, what he's saying is life is too short not to. And the cause and the mission of Jesus Christ is too great not to. It's too important not to walk together. You got to walk together. You got to pull together because that's the church. You know, when my children were younger, Lori, I'll tell you, I would gather them together when there was a problem and I would say, let's all join hands. And what would we sing? When we all will pull together, together. You know, I'd watch the girls singing, when we all will pull together, together. But eventually we got it. Isn't that the call, not just of children, but adults? Especially those who know and love Jesus Christ. Aren't we supposed to? In our marriages, in our personal lives, in the body of Christ, the church, and in our community, if there's one thing we ought to be known for, it's pulling together. I mean, at the end of the day, shouldn't the church be known what it's for instead of so much what it's against? I'm not against being against stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm for being against stuff. But I... <laughs> that make any sense to anybody? But I'm more being for what we for. And I don't know about you, but I want to be known for being for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be known for being people who are unified in this thought. Jesus came, Jesus lived, Jesus taught, Jesus died, rose again, ascended. One day he's coming back. I mean, that message alone would change the world if we could stay on, on point. If we could just stay focused on that issue and that, that relevance of who Jesus is today. He says, I plead with them to be of one mind. I tell you, I'm guilty of this. In, you know, 30 years, I've said this and people get offended by it, but I'm pretty sure I've heard as many as I've helped sometimes by jumping in, maybe more so. But sometimes we Christians, and I don't mean to pick on anyone, but sometimes when there's a situation, when there's a fire brewing, sometimes instead of throwing water on the fire, we throw gas. Don't we? I mean, just between you and I, wouldn't it be cool to be known as fire putter-outers? I just made that up. Wouldn't it be good to know that we could come into a situation and in the name of Jesus, share peace and share hope and share life, share truth. But, you know, because I know already some of you think, well, Pastor Ray, we're called to share truth. Yeah, but the rest of that is speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in, in love. To be reconcilers, restorers of relationships and calm the storm. How do we do that? We have the same, same mind as in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our calling today. Then he goes on to say this, verse, verses four and five, one of my favorites. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I mean, anytime Paul says something twice, you know it's important. He says, have joy, rejoice in the, in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And then what does he say? Let your gentleness be evident to all. And again, he points this out, because the Lord is near you know, this last week, there were a couple of contrasts between walking in joy and not, and I'm going to attribute it to baseball both times. The first time, if you watched it on CNN or Fox News, I'm sure they all covered it, that baseball game in Colorado. It's a baseball game, and the ump makes the wrong call, and the, the coaches get mad, the parents get mad because it's a little league game. The umpire's 13 years old, for crying out loud. He's 13. And they get mad at him. So they all start pouring out onto the field. You can watch this. Go online and watch it. And one guy gets so mad, he hits another guy. And then they start fighting, and there's a brawl in the middle of the Little League game. Beloved, that's not joy. That's not rejoicing over the game of baseball. 
In fact, that's the antithesis of joy when adults are acting like children at a ball game. Now let me take you to another game. On Thursday, we went to, we went to Willa's game. Willa is five years old, Lori and Dan's little girl, and this was her first game. So Mary and I go, and Grayson and a bunch, we're all there, and it, it is a joy to watch these, these kids. Sometimes they can't throw. Sometimes they throw to the wrong base. Sometimes they admire the ball. <laughs> Sometimes they're just there looking at the cloud saying, pony, <laughs> horsey. And it's, it's just a joy to watch. And, and you know, the, the rules are everyone gets to hit and then they go out in the field and the others come up to bat. And I, I enjoy watching the, the coaches, the, the coach, her name's Kimberly, right? And she, uh, she attends Calvary, she's the coach. And she walks the little, little kids, little five-year-olds up and they say, listen, she says, take the bat, you're gonna stand there and you're gonna hit that ball and then you're gonna run to that base. They may not do it, but you're gonna run over there. I watched the parents, Dan was out there. And you watch parents supporting and building up. Building up the little ones. And it, it, is, a, it is a moment for me of, of what joy looks like. You know, I think one of the reasons why they're so happy is they don't keep score. Now, really, I know this is American. By George, we keep score. I get it. But you know what? There's one thing of keeping score, and then there's another being consumed by it. And sometimes I think we're consumed by it. That's what leads to discontentment. Paul's going to talk about contentment. We won't get to it today. But you want to know what leads to discontentment? Keeping score. We start comparing ourselves with each other, right? We start saying, well, I don't have as much as so-and-so, or my house isn't this, or my house isn't that, or my car, or, or my, we're already on the wrong track. We keep saying my, but that's a whole other message. But we start comparing ourselves, and it leads to discontentment. It leads to all the stress and the anxiety of not measuring up. The Apostle Paul says, if you want to rejoice, then recognize, rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again. If we're going to rejoice and not walk in comparison, not walk in keeping score, not walk in being consumed by it, then we have to rejoice in the one thing above all else, and that is the gentleness that comes from being in the Lord. By the way, this word gentleness in the uh, English Standard Version, it's translated reasonableness. Church, wouldn't it be great if we could be known once again for our gentleness and our reasonableness? How many think our marriages would be a lot better and stronger if we were gentle with each other? How many think our marriages would be stronger if we were reasonable? This may surprise you, but there have been times in my married life when I've not been reasonable. I've been the opposite. I've been unreasonable. Would to the Lord Jesus Christ and us recognize that he's so near that we could be reasonable and gentle with one with another, to speak the truth in love, to, to care about others so much that we walk in the gentleness of our spirits and to say, God, I want to recognize not only are you near and that you're coming back at some point, but that you're near to my heart and you're near to my soul. And God, you want to do something powerful in me so that I can do something powerful in and through me to someone else. Because that's the call of the church today. The need for gentleness and joy has never been greater than in our generation today. Well, then verse six, let's keep moving. He said this, deep breath. He said this, do not be anxious about anything. Now, sometimes we stop right there. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with your thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, friends, let's be honest, just us here today and all those watching online. Sometimes we take this verse out of context. We think God is saying, don't be anxious about anything, period. Like there's nothing that ever causes anxiety in our lives. Like there's never anything that causes stress or causes fear or causes nervousness or any of those things. God has said, don't be anxious about anything, so I'm not gonna be. How many fail miserably at that? Here's what it does say. Do not be anxious about anything, comma. Do not be anxious, fearful, stressed out, comma. So what's the, what's the, what's the key? What's the antidote? Tells us right here, three things. By prayer and petition and thanksgiving, giving, present your request to God. In other words, walk in such close proximity to the Lord Jesus Christ that when fear and stress comes against you, you can push back in Jesus' name. You can say, I choose not to be afraid, not in my own strength, but because of his strength. I choose not to walk in, in stress and anxiety. I don't know about you, but I've tried it. It doesn't work. I don't get anything from stress except more stress. I don't get anything from anxiety except more anxiety. Isn't it better for you and I as Christ followers who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to say to self and to God and to the world, I choose to lift up by prayer and petition and thanksgiving. I'm gonna present whatever the enemy throws at me, I'm gonna give it right to the Lord. Right? It's a process. It's not an instant thing. It takes work sometimes. Life is filled with stressful situations, sometimes caused by us, sometimes caused by others, sometimes caused for no good reason. And we push back because of that comma to pray and to petition and to be thankful today. And this is how we learn contentment. And then he goes on in verse number seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's so many key words here. I love the word transcends. That in Jesus Christ, what we have available transcends anything this world has to give. That because of Jesus Christ, our understanding, his, it, our under, let me, how can I say this? Because of Jesus and what Jesus says, it transcends anything my little brain can come up with. It transcends all understanding and he will guard our hearts and he will guard our minds in the midst of the storm. It does not say there will not be storms. In fact, the Bible's pretty clear. You and I are gonna go through some difficult days, but the promise is, the Bible says he will never leave nor forsake, that his peace is always available, that he will guard our hearts, that no matter how deep and strong the pressure is, there is something in us because of Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit, and the God who sits on the throne, that we do not have to succumb and give in, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And that's the reality and the truth of this moment here today. So many people are longing for peace. So many people are longing for something in their hearts and mind other than the fears and the wounds and the brokenness that tear down and destroy. There's a lot of hurting people out there today. You wanna know something else? If we're all being honest, there's a lot of hurting and wounded people right in this room. You may not share it with me and I may not share mine with you, but at the end of the day, we've all got stuff deep down where no one else can see and we keep pretending we're okay when we're not. And I think if the peace that passes understanding 
transcends understanding. If we want our hearts and our minds guarded, then at some point, we're gonna have to step up and choose to be honest and transparent and vulnerable today. Enough to be open with God and to be open with a, a, a close friend you trust today. I went, with, uh, I went and got a, a haircut on Friday. And, uh, you know, uh, she gets me in on a Friday. Uh, I've been to the same lady for 30, 31 years. And she, uh, I've noticed when she, she tries to get me in between like a color job or big job, she fits me in because let's be honest, it's getting easier and easier to cut my hair. <laughs> Taking less and less time. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I, I've watched her and she is like a counselor slash bartender. I don't know. Just... <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and these people just, they just talk, talk, and talk, and talk, and she, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. This lady, I'm sitting there on Friday, and it's driving me a little, well, let's just say the peace of God was more of a stretch for me on Friday. <laughs> this lady's going on about, she just got her dog a, a leash, and it's blue. She got her dog a, a new blue leash, and she just goes on and on about her dog, and I'm, uh, <laughs> Number one, the dog's colorblind, can't tell what color it is. And I'm just, I'm just, oh, I'm just. And it, it, I, I, had, I, I got triggered what happened, Adam. I got triggered because my mom has not one dog, but two dogs. And mom, if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I got triggered. She's got these two, they're dachshunds. We used to call them wiener dogs, remember? Long and lean Mom goes every day or goes every couple times a week to Boston Market. Remember the chicken place we used to have up here? She gets, she gets the dogs white chicken breast meat and she feeds them that every day. Let's just say these dogs are no longer wiener dogs. <laughs> They're balloon dogs. <laughs> I mean, I, I say, Mom, you're killing the dogs. You're killing them. Yeah, but they like that chicken, Ray. <laughs> See, I just got triggered. I'm gonna... I'm gonna need some help later. So I'm, I'm listening and you know, when I get in the chair, I'm not a talker. I mean, I don't know how many, men, how many words men have in a given week, but I use half of mine up on the weekend. And you know, I got nothing. I, and so I'm sitting there and I just, I say, how you doing? And she says, fine. I, you know, I asked, a, I, I asked, I'm a question asker. I like to ask questions. So I asked her a question and she started talking about the answer. And she's talking about it and talking about it. And then she said, you know, that was the darkest moment in my life. And the people who were closest to me got up and left. And what she was talking about happened 15 years ago. 15 years ago. And, and, and tears are forming in her eyes. And I'm a little worried because she's cutting my hair. She's got scissors in her hand. <laughs> but that pain was so deep. And so real to her in that moment that she couldn't experience the peace that transcends because she was caught up in that moment of 15 years ago when the people that she counted on left and she was heartbroken in that moment. I, I, I mentioned about hugging and 31 years I've never hugged her before. When I got done I said bring it in. I had to give her a hug. I, you know, I... I Never done it before, but you, you empathize and you sympathize with someone who deals with that. How many know she's not alone? 
How many know right here in this room that we're desperate for the peace of God that transcends all our understanding? We're desperate for, for guarded hearts and guarded minds. That whole mind thing, I, I spent some time with Jason on, was it Friday? Uh, Thursday. And uh, just sharing with me. You know, Jason used to be on staff here. Jason is a, a, a counselor in Colorado. About to counsel that little league team. Uh, counsel. <laughs> Uh, deals with men with sexual addiction. I mean, marriages, he just, he, and he's doing a phenomenal job there, doing a great job. And uh, in fact, I think you ought to come and speak in about six weeks. You have to talk on this. What I'm going to share now, you can make, fix. You can fix. <laughs> we were talking about the mind because I want to prepare you for verse eight. We're about to read verse eight. Um, we struggle in, in our minds. We struggle a lot. We We struggle. Is it okay just to say that? Now, there's some reasons for that. One of those are the hurts and the wounds we've already talked about. We struggle with the past. We struggle with those things that we deal with. Jason helped me understand some different models that he used, some different diagrams. Uh, helped me see how the mind works. It's, it's interesting. We got to talking on, on, on kids and why it's important to watch how much they watch social media and games and stuff. Uh, it's because this, uh, what's the thing up front? The prefrontal cortex. Do you know why rental car companies don't let you rent a car until you're 26? Because your prefrontal cortex where you make choices and decisions and have breaks don't, aren't really formed until you're 26. And yet we let 16-year-olds drive. Never mind. Um, it's not formed. And so I've talked to some of you folks and you, know, you try to get your son or daughter off, off uh, Fortnite and, and it's, like, it's a battle royale, isn't it? Some of you trying to get your husbands off, the same thing. It's a battle royale. You know why it's tough for kids? They don't have breaks. It's hard for them to just stop something like that because the limbic system pulls in and it's all emotion to them and there's no reason why they should stop and go to bed because they need rest. And so we struggle in our, in our thinking and that's why this verse is so important. That's why understanding what it means to have these good thoughts. I mean, our minds are such an, this brain appears so powerful and amazing. And I'm not the guy to even talk on it, but there's so much. And what I find in my life is sometimes if I'm not careful, I keep putting junk in it. Right? Work with me here, people, right? right. We, put, we put garbage in and it's that same old saying, if you put garbage in, what are you going to get out? Garbage, garbage in, garbage out. And, and, and so we, we fill our minds. Sometimes, I'm not going to get on pornography again, I, I won't. But we, we put this in there and we put this and we put all the stimuli and all the stuff from out there that is unwholesome and unpleasing and, and doesn't build us up but tears us down. We keep stuffing it in. I, I suggest, Dave, we need to go on a, on a diet. So, you know what we need? we need? Is it keto or keto? We need a keto mind diet today. We, we need to go paleo. We, you ought to write that down. That's good stuff. We need a paleo diet for our minds. We need a keto paleo Mediterranean diet for our thinking, right? And it needs to start today because if, if this is going to take place, we're going to have to start allowing the things of God to take the place of the hurts and the wounds and the garbage that are filling our minds today. Does that make sense to everybody? And so when we do that, no, 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 listen. When we do that, then verse eight, then verse eight is possible. But sometimes, well, put up verse eight for me, please. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You want to know why this verse is such a struggle? There's no room. There's just no room. Because our minds are filled with garbage and other things. And little by little, we need to start pushing those things out to allow the spirit of the Lord to begin filling our minds with whatever is right, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is admirable, whatever is pure, whatever the things that built us up and build our families and our marriages up instead of tearing them down. Instead of tearing them down. Because that's where we're at. That's what's happening today. Think about such things. Let your mind be renewed. Think about such things. And let these things build your spirit instead of tearing you down. Put the next verse up for me. Oh, this one's a scary one. Whatever you have learned or received from me, put it into practice and the, and the God of peace will be with you. You want to know what the most important word in this sentence is, in this verse? We think it's that. It's not. It's that. It's practice. Paul said, first of all, Paul makes these outrageous claims. I mean, I could never do it. He says, listen, people at Philippi, watch my life, listen to me talk, do what I do. I got to tell you, I couldn't, in a million, I couldn't do that. Because what you'd see if you saw my life, you'd see me up, you'd see me fail, you'd see me up, you'd see me fail. My ups are not quite as high, but my failures aren't quite as low. But I never, I couldn't, I couldn't say that. He says, watch my example, watch me. But then he goes on and he says, whatever you've learned, receive from me, put it into practice. How many know that if we want to fill our minds with good things, it takes practice, it takes, dare I say it, discipline. You know, Mary and I, we're, we're, we're exercising, we're eating better because we want to be around for our grandchildren. It takes discipline, it takes practice. I got home last night, had three tacos from taco time, I had to go get back out on the treadmill last night. I didn't want to. But I did, because it takes discipline. If we want to be able to walk and run when we're 80, we've got to do things while we're 30. <laughs> Times two. <laughs> Times two. Plus one. <laughs> but we have to do this, and it's the same thing. If, if we want to walk in the, peace, in the peace of God that will be with us, then we've got to do the stuff. What stuff? Well, we already pray, petition, and give the Lord thanks. We need to open up the word of God and read the Philippian letter over and over and over. It's only four chapters. We need to walk in fellowship with some sincere and transparent and vulnerable people around us that, can, that we can share our hearts with and be vulnerable and transparent with, and they're hard to find, but you gotta keep looking. We've gotta come to worship and let Pastor Kevin and Alicia and all these guys lead us into the presence of God and lift our hands and just give the Lord thanks for who he is. Thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding. And the peace of God will be with you. I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor Ray, this is all hard stuff and I can't do it in my own strength. Then you're ready for the next verse. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The minute you realize that, that it's not in you, it's in Jesus, the minute that we begin to rely upon his strength and not our own, we're in a good spot for health and we're in a good spot for wholeness. 
that when we begin to cry out to him on a daily basis and we cry out for his strength and for his presence, we're in a good spot. Lord, give me strength. I can do what? I can do all this through him. Who's him? Jesus, who gives me the strength. How many of us need Jesus to give us strength today? Let's keep, uh, let's keep going. Next verse. You know, we've allowed this verse to get a little out of sync. If you, if you listen to prosperity preachers, this is all about money. Well, based on the rest of Philippians 3, it's not about money. It's about God meeting your need, whatever your need might be. It's about God being there for you to give you peace and to give you understanding, to give you strength and to help you become men and women, to help us become men and women of gentleness and reasonableness and kindness, to speak the truth in love. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You want to know what sums it up for me? Friday night, we had what we call celebration. It was rooted celebration time. Once again, this is our ninth one. And uh, over 1,600 people have been through Rooted, and I don't know how many hundreds have been baptized, how many hundreds. One of my favorite parts is when we say, if you've never declared for Jesus Christ, and stand up and declare, and people just stand up and yell out, I believe, and it was powerful. And then at the end of the service, after they've been commissioned into the body of Christ, they are baptized. And it is a phenomenal, life-changing experience. Let me show you what my favorite part is as we close this morning. You want to know, yeah. You want to know what true joy is? Rejoice again, I say rejoice. Let's watch people experience life change. 90 some people this uh, Friday brought their cards up and they said, I used to deal with this and then they flipped the card over, but now I have this. Some struggle with loneliness. Some are struggling with a host of other things, but they flip the card and they say, this is what God has done in me. That's joy. That's complete rejoicing joy today. If you're here this morning and you're struggling, by the way, that that video I didn't notice, did you notice AJ? 
My kids grew up with the Rice children. One of those big guys standing there holding a baby was AJ. And I got to tell you, he blessed me. I've watched that kid. I've watched his family. And, and AJ is leading his family to Jesus. And I got to tell you, that is joy. Pure joy for me today to watch that kid. It's time to start looking for joy in the right places. It's usually in relationships that build up and not tear down. Two more verses as we close this morning. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. It's all about what Jesus is doing in your heart and mind today. The last verse is where we'll close, and it's this one. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I think that's Paul at his poetic best. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit today. Your spirit is not alone. There is one who died and rose again for you, who gave you his spirit. And every day when we wake up, may this be our prayer. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with my spirit today. When I encounter mean people, and you will, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with my spirit. When you're in a, an argument with your spouse and you're both getting a little laundry, simultaneously my prayer is, you both remember these words. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit and mind today. Friends, it's time for a renewal. It's time for a revival. It's time for a changing of directions where the church is on the forefront of the battle and saying this, may the, may the spirit of the Lord reign and rule in me that the spirit may reign and rule out there. I want God to do something not only in rooted services, I want God to move in our services. I want God, I'm asking the Lord this summer, we're gonna be praying and believing our leadership staff. We're gonna be praying that as we move into the next year of ministry, God is gonna pour out his spirit upon all men and women, boys and girls, to where we see the joy of the Lord become so transparent and the gentleness and the peace of God reign and rule so powerfully that lives who are hungry for something more begin to walk through these doors and find Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's the call of the church. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning for those who are watching online, for those who are in this service today, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would sense, give us a sense of knowing that instead of pressing things down and, and ignoring those wounds and hurts within, but we would expose them to the light of your spirit. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit begins to move in Christ's followers until we walk in the joy. May we practice joy and peace and wholeness today in Christ's name. Father, we pray may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be with our spirits as we walk out these doors today into a lost and dying world desperate to hear the dangerous message of Jesus Christ. In your precious and holy name, we pray and believe in Christ's name.